0: My name is Pastor Josh uh, and uh, my wife that you just saw just a minute ago. We get the incredible honor to be the senior pastors here at our Savior's Church. And on behalf of all of our team, so glad that you joined us today. We're starting a brand new series today called Who Am I? I'm so excited every time we start new series as we get into new thoughts and new things. And I've been really excited about this one as we're learning about identity and going into this. But, hey, before we jump into that, would you welcome all those joining us on, on live stream right now? Hey, go! so glad you're here. <laughs> Excited to have you streaming in. There are so many people that watch online. We have a lot of people that are battling sickness right now. I know uh, Pastor Bubba and Miss Tracy have been sick. We've got a number of people that are um, even in the hospital right now. And so just praying. How many of you know someone that's sick right now? Just raise your hand if you're sick. Okay, if you are sick, raise your, no, don't raise your hand, okay? <laughs> We're going to go ahead and pass Purell around to all of the, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's just that kind of time of the year, and so we're, we're praying for healing in, uh, in so many people's lives right now and just believing for that. I, I'm excited about today and, and this message. This is, a, this is a really a personal message, I think, in a lot of ways for me. I'm going to share some, some things that, that I personally struggle through and, uh, and how God uh, navigates that in my life and helps me. But I want to share a story with you. August of 2004, maybe some of you uh, maybe remember this story or not. This is a, a true story. A man was at a Burger King, and uh, after he got done at Burger King, was robbed. He was robbed. He was brutally beaten. He was stripped of all of his clothes. He was stripped of all of his possessions, everything, and he was left behind Burger King by the dumpster. Uh, the next day, a, a Burger King employee stumbled upon him, um, he had fire ants all over him, um, and he was unconscious. And so they, they revived him, got him back, brought him to the hospital, you know, started kind of asking him questions to find out what happened. He didn't remember anything of what happened. And beyond that, he didn't even remember his own name. Uh, so they called him, watch this, Burger King Doe. That's what they called him. They gave him the nickname Burger King Doe, and he didn't remember anything. Uh, he, he was actually physically okay. They just noticed that there were some contusions on his head, and undoubtedly, um, because of the beating, he fell into this place where he didn't remember anything. Didn't remember family. Didn't remember his name. Didn't had zero memory of his past whatsoever. Zero. And and so once he got out of the hospital, they sent him to a, a couple of places to really try to help regain some of that. Still, never did. And uh, time passed, still never remembered anything. Doesn't remember family. Doesn't remember any memory whatsoever. The only memory he remembered was his birthday. That was the only one. That's the only thing that he remembered. Which time mean, you know, at least that's good. You can get celebrated at least once a year. And, uh, but who do you celebrate with? Because you don't have anybody. And here we are. Now, watch this. This is, the, this is where the story gets crazy. Uh, um, Dr. Phil brought him on his show to try to help. Uh, identify who Burger King Doe is. So they had this nationwide search to try to figure out who Burger King Doe. Didn't get anywhere. Um, No one, no one stepped up to the plate. 11 years it took before he found out what his actual name is. 11 years, over a decade. This man did not know who he was, did not know his family, did not know his origin, did not have a memory of his past. 11 years Burger King Doe went through this journey of asking this question. Who am I? Who am I? And uh, even though all of us in here understand and know our names and have history and know our past, I think there are more people walking around asking that same question than we even realize. Who am I? No matter what season of life you're in, how many you know every season that you go into, you're usually always re-asking that question. Who am I? Who am I? When you're, when you're young, you're asking that question, Who am I? And your parents are going, I'll tell you who you are. <laughs> and, then, and then as you get older into junior high and high school, you're trying to figure out who am I? Come on, how many, how many remember those junior high days, those awkward junior high days? Come on, somebody. You look back at those pictures, you're like, What was I thinking? Um, but, my boys are in that stage right now. I, I, I understand what that's like. And, but you're trying to fit in. You're trying to figure out, who am I in this season of my life? And then, of course, you get into college years, and you're asking, who am I? What, what am I going to become? What am I going to do with my life? And then, then you get married, and you get a job, and then it's like, okay, am I just a, a chaperone? Is that, is that who I am? I'm just a chaperone, just attending a bunch of things and taking care of these, these blessings of mine? And... <laughs> Come on, somebody, and then, and then you go into these different seasons. If you're a dad, you're starting to ask this question: You know, who am I? Am I just a provider? Do I just... Is it just how I just have a job and just take care of the, the bills? Do I do I have? Is there other things that I have? Do, well, who am I if I get the promotion? Who am I if I don't get the promotion? Uh, do I coach all my kids' sports? Do I not? Do I not engage? What, where do I do in this? And then when your kids get older and they move out of the house, now you're asking, who are we? <laughs> who are you? <laughs> And you're asking these questions, and and so whatever stage you find yourself in, you're probably asking the question, who am I? And here's why this is so vitally important, because how you answer the question, who am I, will determine the quality of your life. How you answer this question, who am I, will determine the quality of your life. Now, if you, if you have some notes, you should have gotten some notes when you walked in. Come on, anybody get some notes? Wave them at me if you got some. Okay, all right. When I get my preach on, just wave it. Just go, okay? So um, I, I want you to. I encourage you to take some notes along with us. We'll, we'll have all of this on the screen for you, and you can, you can engage with us. We got binders, by the way, that are free of charge. You can get them at guest services to keep your notes. But uh, I want you to write this down. I want you to write this first thing down. If you don't know who you are, you'll battle insecurity. If you don't know who you are, you will battle insecurity. Now, now, how many know we really don't need any extra pressure in our lives to feel insecure? How many know we got enough pressure around us just to feel insecure as it is? Uh, you, you just jump on social media nowadays and you just immediately start feeling insecure. How many know you can feel great and then you get on, so you get on, you get on the gram and you're like, oh. You just, you, just, you just start getting depressed. Mom's in here, you know, you're like, man, my house don't look like Joanna Gaines, okay? My, <laughs> okay, my body's not a supermodel. My, my, my kids aren't all well-behaved as, 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 as I see everybody else is, or you know what, I don't cook like a master chef, or I just, if you get Chef Boyardee, okay, that's, that's about as good as it gets. And then, and then dads, I mean, we're, we're scrolling through or we're looking at what other guys have or we're looking at what other guys make or we're looking at people that were classmates that are now seem to be more successful than we are and we feel insecure about ourselves because we're not in the class that they are. We don't have what they have or we don't drive what they drive or we don't do what they do and we battled our own insecurities that, that we're facing or students feel the pressure of having to get good grades because they have to get into a good college because they have to get a good job or they have to get, and you just feel pressure, just pressure, all around us to become and do something. And then you got commercials that are reminding you of all the things you don't have and trying to make you think that if you don't have this, then you're not complete. And so there's just pressure all around us that's constantly feeding into our insecurities. And uh, I, 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 just being vulnerable with you, I, I battle insecurity so much. You know, I, and it doesn't matter. Here's what I've learned it doesn't matter how successful you get, insecurity will always keep speaking. Insecurity will always keep speaking. I always bought into this lie that, you know, maybe when we have more people in our church, then, then, then I'll feel more confident. And, and, and it didn't matter if our church was packed out like it is today, and we had tons of salvations, and we had a lot of baptisms, I would still walk out of this church and hear, you're not good enough. Didn't matter. Every Time, the voices would wake, wake me up of, you, you, you can't lead and you can't do this and you're, do they know? And I, I, I hear these voices often. And can I say, They still speak. They still speak. How many of you in here have heard those voices before of not being good enough, not having enough, not doing this enough, not just, it, it's constant. So today I want us to look at a story of a man that was mightily used by God, but battled with insecurity and identity a man by the name of Moses. Now if you know the story of Moses, Moses is a Hebrew boy, he was born in, uh, in, in Egypt, and the Pharaoh was releasing a, uh, a, a declaration that all Hebrew children, all boys, were going to be slaughtered and destroyed because of his fear of them continually mass producing and eventually taking over his kingdom, and so he went on this rampage of slaughtering all of the young boys. And so Moses' mother, had Moses and decided, if he stays with me, he's dying, so I've got to figure out a way to to get rid of him and and hopefully maybe send him to a place where he can get some some help. So she ends up just making a basket. She puts him in a basket and sends him down the river, okay? Sounds like a song or something, you know, sends him down the river. And only in God's providence, of course, does a a family member of Pharaoh's uh, family find uh, Moses and, and pulls him out of the water and brings him into the royal palace. And he becomes a part of the royal family. Now think about the identity issues he's struggling through. He is a he- Hebrew child being raised in the Egyptian culture around Egyptian kids, but he's not an Egyptian. And so he's looking outside of the royal palace and he sees all of his fellow Hebrew you know, boys that are living a life that is very different than the one that he's living. And yet he's getting treated with royalty. He's getting the education of royalty. I mean, all of that that's going on in his life right now. He grows up in this royal palace. As he gets older, he encounters a moment where the Egypt, uh, there's an Egyptian that is treating one of his Hebrew uh, people very, very wrongly. Uh, mistreating them, being very brutal, very harsh. And so anger inside of him rises up, and he takes matters into his own hands. And if you know the story, he kills the Egyptian. He kills the Egyptian, he buries him, and then he goes on the run for his life. And he runs into the wilderness to a place called Midian, and for 40 years he is on the run from, uh, from Egypt, but how many know you can run from Egypt, and you can run from your problems, but eventually, how many know God's going to find you? God's going to find you. And, and I love this, uh, a part of this story, because no matter how far you think you are from God, how many know God's going to find you? He's going to come after you. And if you know the story of God showing up in, in a burning bush and, and begins to speak to, to Moses, and begins to call him into a purpose and into a destiny that he had for him. <laughs> and so we're going to catch up in this story in Exodus chapter 3 where Moses is having this conversation with God. And God is calling him to do something. So let's, let's read this a little bit together. He says, now go for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. Now everybody help me with this. He protested and said, who am I? Who am I? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? And watch what happens. And then he goes, who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you're going to worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and I tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you. They're going to ask me, what is his name? And then what am I going to tell them? And this is what God says. God replies to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now it's clear in this passage that you see that Moses is battling his own identity, but he's also battling his own insecurities, And Moses is struggling with how God can use him, how God can call him to go back into a place that he has ran from. And oftentimes we know that God is calling us because God will call us to go back to the place that we don't want to go. Any of y'all had those situations where God's like, I want you to go do this, and you're like, no, and he's like, go, and you're like, no, and he's like, go, and you're like, no, and you're giving him all the reasons why you can't do it, and let me tell you why I think Moses begins to give all these excuses, and he gives a number of them, actually, in this chapter, and that is because the enemy uses your history to inform your insecurities. I'm gonna say that again. The enemy will use your history to inform your insecurities. We have built into our mind that God cannot use people that, and let's fill in the blank. God can't use people that struggle financially. God can't use people that have had a bad divorce. God can't use people that have a checkered past. God can't use people that have struggled with lust. God can't use people that have struggled with addictions. God can't use people. We've built this into our mind and here we are, Moses, a murderer, is saying, who am I? Who am I that I can go do anything for you? Who am I in this moment? And th- here we are in this, in this moment where the enemy is using Moses' history to inform his insecurities. But hey, I got good news for you, everybody. God loves using imperfect people to do his purposes. Come on, how I many you glad that you don't have to be perfect to be used by God? Hey, here's the deal. Ready? More people that were used by God in the Bible suffered with insecurities than you can even imagine. Moses was not the only one who struggled with insecurities. Gideon struggled with insecurities. David struggled with insecurities. Samson struggled with insecurities. All of the, most of the disciples struggled with their own insecurities. When, when Jesus called Matthew, Matthew was like, you want me? <laughs> Nobody likes me. He's like, you're on my team. And everybody else was like, how did he get on the team? <laughs> hey, here's the truth. When God chooses you, it don't matter what anybody says. Yeah, yeah. He's picked you. He's called you. And I love this because God works through imperfect people. And here's what I've noticed in my own life. Ready? Because oftentimes I've told God, God, there's no way I can lead. God, there's no way that I can pastor. God, there's no way I can do this. God, don't you know my history? Don't you know what I've walked through? Don't you know my past? And God says, yes. Ready? Watch this. Because God doesn't remove my insecurities. He works through my insecurities. Can I say that again? God does not remove my insecurities. He works through them. So when God begins to start speaking to you, one of the things that starts coming up is our insecurities start rising up. So I wrote this down. If you want to write this in your notes. The more disconnected you are from God, the more you will struggle with your identity. The more disconnected you are from God, the more you're going to struggle with your identity. See, God knew that Moses struggled with his identity. God knew that Moses struggled with insecurity. And God knew that in order for me to get Moses to go to Egypt to be my deliverer, I've gotta get Moses to see what I see in him. Because right now, Moses only sees insufficiency Moses only sees deficiency. Moses only sees a murderer. Moses only sees his past. But God says, in order for me to use him, I've gotta show him who he really is by what I see. And so watch how this story continues. I love this, because watch. Moses is so real. I love reading about people in the Bible that are like real, like you connect with. Because watch what Moses does. Moses pleaded with the Lord. (laughs) Oh Lord, I'm not very good with my words. I've never been, I'm not now. It's like he's covering it all. Like I've never been, I'm not now, I don't think I'll ever be, even though you've spoken to me. Now watch what he says, ready? The next verse he says this. I get tongue-tied, my words get tangled. Any of y'all feel like you can connect with Moses right here? How many of you say I'm not a public speaker? I mean, how many if I brought you up here, you'd pee in your pants? Okay, anybody, okay, all right, yeah, all right. Raise your hand if that's you. Okay, I just need to see who I need to ask to come be host. Okay, all right, Jillian, you're up next thing. Okay, okay. So watch this. Then the Lord asked Moses. I love this because when Moses makes a statement to the Lord, the Lord goes, hey, let me talk now. And, the, and God says, who made your mouth? <laughs> who made your mouth? Uh, <laughs> watch, watch, watch what he says. He keeps going. Who decides whether people speak or don't speak, hear or don't hear, see or don't see? Is it not me? Is it not the Lord? I, I think, ready, watch this. I think our insecurities are the ultimate insult to God. Because when we go, God I, can't. God, I can't. I'm not enough. God, I don't have this. That God is gone. who made you? Who made you? Who put those words in your mouth? Who, who made you to see? Who gave you the body that you have? You don't like your body? It's not an insult to you, it's an insult to, to him. He, he made you the way that he made you. He designed you the way that he designed you. He, he, he put everything that he, he has in you for you. H- whose voices are you listening to? Who, who, are, you, who are you listening to? And I love what God does. Because God doesn't let our insecurities hold us back. God keeps pushing. He keeps pushing. Watch what he says next. Now? Say it again. Now? Go. And here's what we do. Ready? We say, "Now? No." Hey, I want you to go share with that coworker. I want you to go pray with them. No. Mm-mm, no. And God says, "Now go." And you're like, "No." And he's like, go. And you're like, no. Did you, did you not hear me the first time? I said, no. God says, I want you to go and I want you to lead a life group. No. Mm-mm. I want you to get on the dream team. I want you to start serving. No. Mm-mm. I'm good here. I'm fine. I'm fine right here. I'm good. And God goes, no. I want you to go. I want you to apologize to your spouse. No. Who are you? What? No. Why would I do that? I know this has never happened to anybody here. I'm just being, you know, just throwing out some scenarios that could happen. God is challenging us to go. God is challenging us to go do things that he's called us to do. And and often we're saying, no, 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 no. And God says, no, now go. And then, then he gives him the confirmation of how he can go and how he can do what he's called him to do. He says, I'm going to be with you as you speak, and I'm going to instruct you in what to say, but Moses again, <laughs> he is relentless. Moses again pleaded, Lord, just please send somebody else, like anybody else. Just send, I love it, send anyone else. He's not even just specific on who it is. He said, just, let's just send anyone else. So you have to understand something about insecurity. First off is that insecurity will constantly be talking. It's always going to be talking. But there are two sides to insecurity. And I think oftentimes we only focus on one side of insecurity because we, it's, it's so easy to spot. But there is another side. I'm going to share both of them. Two sides of insecurity. First one is rejection. Rejection. So there's some of you in here, you have rejection insecurity. And you say things like, I'm not good enough, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me, I don't feel like I belong, I don't feel like I'm qualified, I don't feel like I, you fill in whatever the enough is. I'm not this enough, I'm not that enough. And when God t- calls you to go do something, you, you're, you're going, no, oh, no, no, there's no way, I can't. And, and oftentimes when we think of these insecure people, we think of them as being quiet, Shy, reserved, don't want to be around people, just kind of this rejection mentality. Okay, that is one side of insecurity. And the reason why it's insecurity is because who is it focused on? Yourself, right? It's yourself. You're focused on yourself. There's a flip side to insecurity, though, that we need to understand that is just as dangerous as rejection. And that is pride. Because on one side it says I'm not good enough. And the other side says I don't need anybody. One side says I'll be alone. The other side says I'm cool with that. One side says "Um, I don't have enough to do what I need to do. The other side says I have enough. I just don't care. Pride, watch this. Pride's best cover-up is perfection. Pride's best cover-up is perfection. These are the type of people that always have to be in control. They have to control the conversation. They have to control the relationship. They have to control... They, they step into a room, and they got to take control. And, and they pride themselves in perfection. So they, they can never show weakness... They can't show anything that they struggle with. Everything's good. Everything on Facebook looks good all the time. Hey, listen, Facebook lies. It lies. (laughs) Everything that you look around them seems absolutely perfect. They say things like, I can do this on my own. I'm fine. I got this. I don't need anyone's help. But let me tell you a little secret. Ready? The people who seem like they have it all together struggle just as much with insecurity, if not more. Ready? Because they go home at night and lay on their bed and go, if only people really knew. But they can't let people know because they have to keep the shield up. And so pride keeps this thing of how you doing. And you have to realize that many of these people are actually alone and more miserable than you even realize. So this was mine if there was a side of insecurity that I really battle with, I battle with both because I hear this voice of not being good enough and I hear this voice of that you can't lead. But I also have this other side of pride. Um, I had a, a, a mentor of mine, he was asking me one day, he said, man, how you doing? I said, man, I'm good. And he said this, he said, Josh, every time I talk to you, you're always good. He said, you're either pretending or perfect. Which one is it? I was like, "Well, I'm perfect, of course." I mean, what? <laughs> I mean, do you have to ask. I mean, and he said, "If if if you're perfect, then you need to be teaching all of us. But if you're pretending, you're only hurting yourself." And it was there in that moment where I had to get real. Because I I, I didn't want to show a kink in the armor. I didn't want to show the the struggles that I walked through. I didn't want to sh- show the 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 depression that I walked through or the, the discouragement that I have or the thoughts that I have. I, I didn't wanna show any of those things. I wanted to show that I had it all together. I, I got this. But it's also a form of pride, which is also a form of insecurity. Because when I'm not opening up, I, I'm, 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 let me put it this way. Rejection and pride will repel the very relationships you need rejection and pride will repel the very nature the very relationships that you need that can help you because how many know if you're perfect nobody wants to be around you and then how many know if you're constantly needy nobody won't be around you either y'all got those people every time you call it's like what do they need now they need something and it's always terrible they could have got a they could got a raise at work and you call them and they, I heard you got a raise. Yeah, they probably gonna take it away someday. I mean, <laughs> this is how it's gonna be. You got a raise. They get married, you know, they're on the way to getting married. Hey, I'm here when you're getting married. Yeah, it's probably not gonna work out. <laughs> you're right, it's probably not. <laughs> can't believe she said yes. <laughs> I can't either. <laughs> I don't. Y'all know people like that? Like every time, it's like, like even when good things happen, there's always a way to view it as like, oh, I don't know, it's not gonna work out. And then you got the pride side, they're like, yeah, it's about time. It's about time. And so you got, you got two sides of this. So, so let, me, let me help you as we wrap up this message. I want, I want to give you four ways to live secure. How do we live secure in insecurity? Because even though insecurity is always gonna be calling, how many know you don't gotta pick up the phone? And so I want to I walk you through how do, how do we live securely? No matter if you're a teenager in here that's battling this or whatever age you are, what you're going through, you can, you can walk securely. Number one is to don't put your security in anything that can't sustain it. Don't put your security in anything that can't sustain it. And what I mean by that is this. The thing that you find most identity in is the place you're going to be the most vulnerable to insecurity. I'm going to say that again. The place where you put your most identity in is the place you're going to be most vulnerable to insecurity. If your identity is in your marriage or in relationships, your fear is what happens if they leave. If your identity is in your job and how much money you make, your insecurity is what happens if I lose it. If your identity, y'all with me? Now watch this. Watch what David said. David, who was a man that was constantly for. Years and years on the run from his life, from Saul, wrote this in Psalms 62. Psalm 62 says this, let all that I am wait quietly before God for my hope is in him. him. He alone is my rock and my, and my, watch this, where I will Not not be shaken. Let me just tell you this, anything that you put your hope in that's outside of God has the opportunity to be shaken. If you put your identity in your health, come on, let me note. You just need one diagnosis for that to be shaken. If you put your if you put your identity in your marriage or your relationships, you are one moment away from that being shaken. If you put your identity in your kids, you have that that world will always be shaken. If you put your identity, come on, you put your identity in money. That will always be shaken. Ready? Watch this though. I want everybody to listen? One of the most loving things that God can do is shake the areas where you've put false hope in. Yes. Now this is not popular preaching because nobody wants the areas that they put to be rocked. I, I'm, I met with a lady after the 8 a.m. service that her and her husband are walking through the most horrific health situation right now. It's just been, it's been terrible. He lost his job. They're, they're financially now, it's impacting them in, in just massive ways. But she was back there crying because she said, I, I have a husband now. Within the last couple of months, my husband has gotten saved. My husband and I are reading the Bible and praying together. And uh, he's living in a rehab place right now. She's living home. They've been walking through these financial things. She said, I have more peace now and everything around me is shaken than I did when my hope was actually in the things that got shaken. Because I'm telling you, this is where your hope is. My hope's in him. Hey, it's easy to say God is all you want, but you really can't say that until God is all you have. So David, in this, watch this, David is running for his life and his security is not in his fortress, his security is not in his army, his security is not in his slingshot skills, even though all of those are good. His security is in him and in him alone. Alone. And we can often find our identity In so many areas, we can find our identity in our past. We can find our identity in our problems. We can find our identity in our degrees, in our jobs, in our relationships, in our success. But the only way to beat insecurity is to put your hope in something that can't be shaken. And when you lean on his security, watch this. When you lean on his security, you find your security. And if you lean on anything else other than his security, you will always be insecure because that can always be taken. Number two is to lean into your weakness to leverage more of God's strength. Lean into your weakness to leverage more of God's strength. Now you'll notice constantly he's telling God, I I can't speak, and I can't do this, and I can't do that. And what is God's response to all of that? Hey, question. Did God know Moses couldn't speak? Yes. Yes. And yet, God said, you the man. And you'd be like, no, I'm not. Have you heard me speak? I'm not good. And he's like, exactly. Because this is what's going to happen. Every time you get up to speak, you're going to know you're not that good. And you're going to have to go, God, I need you. And what a grace and a gift from God for him to allow your weakness to be a way for you to lean into his strength. Bible says that Paul had a thorn in his side. And watch, watch how it said in 2 Corinthians when Paul is talking about this thorn that he wants to get out. God, get rid of this. God, I don't want to deal with this anymore. We don't know what the thorn is. We just know that it bothered him, and we know that it was a deficiency for him. And when he talked to God about it, watch what God's answer is. And God answers him. You want to know what we're going to do with the thorn? My grace is always more than enough for you. Okay, but what about the thorn? Take the thorn, (laughs) get the thorn out. My grace is more than enough for you and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. Ready, watch this. For all of those in here that battle with anxiety and battle with depression and battle with your thoughts and battle with what, what, what even comes out of your mouth or battle with addictions or battle with these things and they feel like thorns in your side, you feel like there's no way God can use me. There's no way, if he knew how much relational drama I have going on in my life, there's no way God can use me. And this is what God says. I love what Paul's response to it. Look what Paul says. So I'm gonna celebrate my, I'm gonna celebrate in my weaknesses. For when I'm weak, watch this, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So weakness is not something you need to hide Weakness is something you need to lean into. Weakness isn't a liability. Weakness is a gift. So watch this. Ready? My greatest strength is knowing my greatest weakness. I'm going to say that again. Your greatest strength, my greatest strength, is knowing what we are weak in. Because when you know what you're weak in, how many know you can know what you can find strength in him in? Y'all ever been around someone who's weak in some area, but they think they awesome in it? Just watch American Idol. It's sad that a panel has to tell you something that your mama wouldn't tell you. Mama should have said, baby, you can't sing, I'm sorry. But she makes you go on live television with 10 million people for someone to go, baby, you can't sing, I'm just, I'm sorry. Y'all with me, like... That person's greatest strength would have been to know their greatest weakness. But nobody was honest in their life. And so therefore, they went around thinking that it was a great great uh, strength, but it was actually a weakness. Like, listen, I know my weakness is empathy. I know it. Lindsay let all of y'all know when we met together. Not the most empathetic. I understand it. But because I know that it's my weakness... It's also a place I have to tap into for God to give me the strength to have that. And he has. I don't know if you know my story. Like, I used to not like people. This is not a lie. I'm not, like, making this up. Like, I loved everything about church except people. Um, I, 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 I would come in. I would do the job. I, I had a love for people. I just didn't like people, if that makes sense. I love people, but I just didn't like being around them. Um, And and that is one of the greatest things that Pastor Bubba and the Holy Spirit have helped me in. I'm telling you, to be able to connect with people and what they're walking through, I could care less about that. Used to. This is no lie. I'm, I'm just telling you, this was a weakness of mine. Pastor Bubba would tell me like, hey, when you walk into church, tell people hi. I'd be like, What? So foreign to me. Like, this is no lie. And, that, and, and over the years that God has been doing things in, in my own weakness, the lies that I've believed, being rude at times, impatient, temper, like the Holy Spirit has helped me tremendously. But I know that they're, they are also prone to be my weaknesses. I know when I find something, I can get addicted to something very easily. So like I don't drink alcohol not because it's a sin, I don't drink alcohol because I know that I could get addicted to something very easily. Like I know my weakness. It's the same reason why I don't play fantasy football. (laughs) This is no lie, I'm just telling you. I don't play because I love it. So I stay away from things that I know that I'll get addicted to. Even good things that can become God things to replace God. When I understand what I'm weak in, then I can stay away from those things and I can tap into God's strength. Are y'all with me? Y'all, y'all hearing some of this? Okay. So lean into that weakness. Number three is submit your self-talk and thoughts to the truth of God's word. Submit your self-talk and, to to, and thoughts to the truth of God's word. All right, got to wrap up. So everybody listen to me closely. No one has lied to you more than you. <laughs> just let that sink in for a moment. You're all mad that people have lied to you. You should be mad at yourself because no one's lied to you more than you have. No one has hurt you more than you. And, and, and yes, we hear the lies of the enemy constantly. But at some point, the, that, that voice starts sounding like our voice. Yeah. And you're trying to, wear, is this my voice? Or is this the enemy's voice? But because you've heard it so much, it starts becoming your voice. So you start th- saying things like, you hear, this is what you hear from the enemy. The enemy will say, you are this, and you are that, and you are this. and You don't say that, though. You start saying things like, I am not. I am this. And so we've got to submit our self-talk. Romans 12, 3 says, Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluations of yourself. Measure yourselves by the faith that God has given us. So, so let me end with this. Not losing your identity is profoundly connected to not losing truth. Not losing your identity is profoundly connected to not losing truth. The more disconnected you are from God, the more you struggle with your identity. The more disconnected you are from truth, you start believing things that are not true. And me walking in the identity that God has called me to, do, to be as a man of God, as a, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a leader, as a friend, as a son, is, is divinely connected to how much truth I have in my life. Have any of y'all ever sent a text and you typed one thing, but it sent something else, a different thing, and then you're like, hey, I'll see you soon, and it says, I'll sleep with you soon. You're like, no, see, see, and then every time you try to do it, it says it's something else, see, see, I'm just trying to say see, I'll just call you. Okay, listen, I've never had that? One of the things I'm really thankful for, so I have an iPhone, and, and they've gotten really a lot better at this, and it's, it's very good for guys like me that can switch words and misspell things, uh, really badly, is that while I'm texting, it is auto-correcting at the same time. I love it. It's incredible. It makes me look like I can spell. It's awesome. My heart, listen to me closely, for this series and for you, not only just in these next three weeks, but, but beyond, is that as the enemy speaks lies to you, you're so full of the truth of God's word that God's word starts auto-correcting it as you hear it. I'm not enough. Wait, wait, no, I'm more than enough. I can't do this. No, 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 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, 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 this is going to go bad. No, wait, no, God causes all things to work together for my good. It's called according to his glory. Come on, I mean, no, I'm I'm, I'm I'm always last. I'm always low. Wait, wait, no, no, God's never forsaken me. He's always with me. Y'all with me? You start auto-correcting. Built-in auto-correction for your soul and for your spirit. All right, number four, focus more on what God is doing in you than what others are saying about you. Focus more on what God is doing in you than what others are saying about you. Hey, listen, you cannot control what people say about you. Listen, as a pastor, trust me, you cannot control what people say about you. I understand that. I've walked through that. Even just as a man of God, you cannot control what people say. You can't control what your family says about you, friends say about you, co workers say about you, people around you say about you. Hey, ready? It doesn't matter. What matters most is focusing on what God says about you and what God is trying to do inside of you. Hebrews eleven 27, I'm done. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing king's anger. He kept right on going, ready? He kept moving forward because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Ready, listen to me. Everything within you will want to get you to put your eyes and your ears on what is visible. I love it. I wish I had time. When David is in the wilderness, running for his life, and people are saying all these things about him, and they're trying to go after him, I love what Psalm says. Psalm says that that David goes deaf and mute. Meaning when people are talking about me, I go deaf and mute. I don't listen to it, and I don't speak about it. I don't talk about it. Because I'm more focused with what God's doing in me. And Moses says, listen, I'm not gonna look at everything that's going on around me. I'm gonna focus on the one who is invisible because he's the one I get my security from. Hey, listen, ready? Moses kept saying, who am I? And God kept saying, I am who I am. Moses battle with insecurity. I mean, no, God was completely secure in who he was. And the more you will lean and anchor yourself to the I am, the more you will know who you are. Father, we love you. And today, God, we, we invite you yet again to remind us who we are, Who are you speaking that we're loved by you, we're called by you, we're anointed by you. We speak the truth of your word over every person in this room, that they are loved, they are forgiven, they are freed, they are redeemed, they are not alone, they are the head, not the tail, they are more than conquerors. God, we thank you, Lord, that it is in your grace that we find our strength. When our relationship is falling apart, it is your grace that is more than enough to heal and restore. When we look at our past and shame and guilt wants to come and override our heart, we thank you that we are forgiven and we are free. That even though you know us the most, you also choose to love us the most. God, we're so grateful. We're so thankful. And Father, I pray for every person that's in this room. I pray for every woman in here that has battled insecurity over how they look or what people have said. God, I pray they would find their confidence in you. I pray for every man in here that is battling what other people have said about them or maybe looking around and seeing what others have done and, 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 and the lies within them that you're not good enough, you haven't done enough. Or God, I, I just silence those. Pray that the truth of God's word would anchor their heart and soul. God, I pray for every teenager in here that has been bullied God, I thank you that their worth is in you. That their value is in you. God, I pray right now that I have confidence in that. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. With everybody closing their eyes in this moment, I want this to be a a special moment for those that are in here You can be free, you can be delivered, you can be set free, and God calls you. But we know that the one thing that separates us from who we are and who we were created to be is sin. Sin separates, it's what it does. Sin destroys, sin kills. You and I were born three parts in one, body, soul, and spirit. You understand body and soul, your feelings and your emotions and the body that you have, but many of us don't understand our spirit. The Bible says that our spirit man can come alive. When we surrender our life to Jesus, when we acknowledge that our sins have separated us, it has killed this part of our lives that wants to come alive. But Jesus came and lived a, a perfect life and died the most horrific, painful death for you and I so that our not only our sins could be forgiven, but so that our spirit could be made alive and we could be reunited with him. It's the only way to the Father. He is the truth. He is the life. There's no way to them. You can't be good enough. You can't go to church enough. There's nothing inside of you that can make your spirit come alive other than the spirit of God. And the way that that happens is we believe and we confess that Jesus is Lord of our lives and we receive him. The Bible says that the spirit of God will come and live on the inside of you. It's called being born again. Born again that my spirit man is now born again and comes to life. If you have never prayed to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior of your life, to be born again, to repent of sins and turn from your old ways, to turn to a new life in him, I wanna pray for you today. And if that's you with no one looking around, you say, Pastor Josh, that's me, man. I want a new life in Christ. I want that relationship with him. On the count of three, I want you just to shoot your hands up right there where you are, and I wanna pray for you. One, two, three. If that's you going up all across this room, come on, raise your hands, raise it high. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Anybody else? Praise God! Praise God! Right there where you are, we're we're gonna pray this right alongside with you. So everybody in this room, I want you to pray this with me. Whether you've prayed this a thousand times, I want this to be a fresh passion from your heart right here where you are. I want you to say this. I want you to say, "Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross." You took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. Come on, say this, I believe that you faced hell for me so that I wouldn't have to go, and you rose again to give me a purpose on earth, a relationship with your Father, and a place in heaven. I'll say this, today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sins to be born again. Jesus be my Savior, God be my Father, Holy Spirit, be my helper from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.